play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. Cairo, Seattle. Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, a show about famous people and the stories behind the foods they love most. Today on the program, disco queen and Grammy-nominated gospel singer Gloria Gaynor. It was 40 years ago that Gloria won a Grammy for her hit anthem, I Will Survive, and now her new album, Testimony, is nominated for two Grammy Awards, Best Roots Gospel Album and Best Gospel Performance Song. Obviously, Gloria's hoping to take home a couple of Grammy Award statues this weekend. I've been waiting all these years to balance out my piano, because the one that I got in 1980 is sitting on the piano, lonely and alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I need some company. Well, maybe you'll have three, and then you need to get a fourth one, so it'll be really even. Oh, no, 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 because, honey, the triangle is the strongest shape in nature. It's like a slice of pizza. Maybe that's why I like pizza so much. It's a very strong triangle shape. (laughs) And just in time for the Super Bowl, the history of buffalo chicken wings with Anchor Bar, the Buffalo, New York restaurant that claims to have invented them. You know, we go through about 2,000 pounds of wings a day. But first, my chat with Gloria Gaynor. So I just wanted to tell you, I realized yesterday that it's been 20 years uh, since I did a road trip with my girlfriend. We were 19 years old and we were going from California to Connecticut and we were in New Orleans. It was the first time I was ever there. Ended uh-huh. up at night at the Cat's Meow doing karaoke for the very first time. And we did I Will Survive. So I, I always, <laughs> you're like a part of my story because I love karaoke. That was the first song that I ever did. Uh-huh. So of course, um, coming <laughs> up wonderful. on the... Right. So coming up on the 40th anniversary of your Grammy for this song, uh, what's the story behind it? The story behind I Will Survive? Yeah. It's a fascinating story, uh, at least I think. Back in 1978, Gloria was on stage performing at New York City's Beacon Theater. And she was in the middle of a choreographed dance routine when she toppled over a monitor and fell on stage. This was a serious fall. Gloria says she woke up the next morning paralyzed from the waist down. She couldn't feel her legs. She had the first of many surgeries and was in the hospital for four months. Uh, During that time, the record company called and said that they were not going to renew my contract. They were just going to let it die. People were going around the record company saying the queen is dead. And I was crying out to God and wanting to know what was he going to do for me because I'd lost my apartment. I'd lost everything and um, didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't even know if I could go back to my career. So with a lot of prayer and faith, I went home from the hospital, sure that God would do something, but not knowing what. Then the record company hired a new British president, and Gloria says she was quite popular at that time over in England. So he sent her to California to record a single. When I got to the producers out there, I asked them what was going to be the B-side. And they said to me, well, we don't know uh, what kind of songs do you like to sing? I said, I like songs that are meaningful, that have great lyrics, that uh, touch people's hearts. 
They said, we think you're the one we've been waiting for to record this song we wrote two years ago. So I've always believed that God told the two of them, sit down, write a song, hold on to it. I'm going to send you somebody. So two years later, I'm out there. They write out the lyrics to the song for me. I read the lyrics and I'm like, what are you stupid? You're going to put this on the B side? This is a timeless lyric. I will survive. Those are words that anybody and everybody's going to be able to relate to. I'm relating to it. The fact that I had surgery recently on my spine and hoping that I'll survive that. I'm relating to it. The fact that my mother passed away not many years prior, something I never thought I'd survive. So everybody's going to be able to relate to this song. They said, well, you know, that's the deal we made with the record company. I said, well, if it's left to me, it won't be left on the B side. So I took it to Studio 54, gave it to the DJ there. He played it for the audience. They immediately loved it, which told me immediately that I was right because jaded New York audiences (laughs) don't immediately love anything. I gave him the whole box of, of records that the record company had given me and told him to disseminate it to his his DJ friends around New York. He did that. They began to play it. People began to request it in the club. Then they began to request it on radio. And the radio stations had to go back to the record company and say, where's this record? Everybody keeps asking for it. And the record company had to tell them with much chagrin, well, you've already got it. It's on the B side of that other record, aptly named Substitute. <laughs> so <laughs> the rest is history. Gloria grew up in New Jersey in a musical family. She had five brothers, four of them sang in a gospel quartet, and her dad played music and sang in nightclubs. You said, we grew up poor, but the dinner table was always open to neighborhood friends. Oh, yes. Yes. My mother um, was a really good cook. You know, everybody thinks that mothers, most people think that mothers are good cooks. Not me. It was. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope she doesn't listen but to this one. It wasn't just us who thought that it was our neighbors because our friends would come. We were poor. You know, I never forget my mother sending me to the store with 25 cents for dinner, 15 cents worth of bacon skins and 10 cents worth of beans. And she would cook that stuff up and use her spices, do her magic. And we'd have company. People would leave their expensive cuts of steak and lamb and pork and whatever and come and eat beans with us for two reasons. Number one, because it was so tasty. And number two, because my mother made the dinner table fun. Did you learn from that experience? I mean, now I'm sure you can buy whatever you want, but are you somebody who's concerned with food waste and using up the oh, last yeah. scraps and yeah, kind of I, making I, something out of nothing? I still don't like wasting food. I don't like wasting anything, but I really don't like wasting food. You know, uh, at one time I had, was gaining weight and I thought to myself, you shouldn't waste food, but I had to write a sign and put it on my cabinet door that says, food is no more wasted in the trash than it is on my body which was a minor to me not to overeat just to keep from wasting food. I do that too. I would rather eat something than throw it away. And I'm like, what am I, like a garbage can? Like I'll just, yeah. I'll eat anything so that it doesn't go to waste. I still eat leftovers. My, most of the time leftovers taste better than the food when it was freshly made. But I don't overeat just to keep from throwing food away. So you've been cooking since you were nine years old. Will you tell me about this first meal that you ever cooked for your brothers? <laughs> Well, you know, my mother was a hard worker and I knew that. And so I determined that I was going to help her out and cook dinner this day. So I went into the refrigerator and she was going to make beef stew. So I figured I could make beef stew. So I went and I got the beef and I cut it up and I 
bought, you know, put it in the pan with my seasonings that I thought were, were right and prepared frozen vegetables that I was going to put in there. And my mother made stew with a red sauce, which I thought was ketchup. So I put ketchup in, in there. And then I made cornbread from scratch, got her recipe, and I made the cornbread. But I put so much sugar in it, my brothers thought it was pound cake. But they thought that was an awesome meal. They said, my our sister can cook, man. She can slow, slow down like mama, you know. <laughs> they thought that was a she great meal. She can make meal. ketchup and cake for dinner. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah. All these years later, Gloria is still cooking. Later in the show, we'll talk about her signature dish, the one that all of her friends want the recipe for. It's called chicken a la gainer. This is what I aspire to. I need, like, Bell's Balls. I'm still workshopping the name. All right, just a quick break. But when we come back, Gloria Gaynor shares her last meal. If you're a fan of naturally gorgeous, off-the-beaten-path vacation spots with small-town charm, you're going to want to plan a visit to Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, where you can grab a scoop of homemade ice cream and stroll around the adorable European seaside village of Paulsbow, or walk on the ferry in Seattle and get off in downtown Bainbridge Island. And May is the perfect month to visit Bremerton or Silverdale, where you can get out of the city and into the forest in just 15 minutes for a beautiful hike. Enjoy a farm-to-table meal at Bremerton's Restaurant Lola, a Black-owned business. I really need to make the trip out there for their Creole brunch. And in the morning, stop by Saboteur Bakery for croissants that are so flaky and buttery, you'll think you're in Paris. There's also a gorgeous golf course in the middle of the forest, and there are several naval museums in Bremerton. Go to visitkitsap.com slash yourlastmeal to learn more. That's K-I-T-S-A-P. Or you can find a link in the show notes. Play and stay on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. If you like listening to Your Last Meal, you might like watching my new TV show, The Nosh with Rachel Bell. We just wrapped up season one, so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at CascadePBS.org. In episode one, I convince an East Coast skeptic that Seattle now has fantastic bagels. And in the season finale, we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of Seattle. Episodes are a quick bite just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at CascadePBS.org or find a link in the show notes. What would my last meal be? Mm. Probably... I can't remember what it's called now, but it's a um, Asian sauce that's made with hot spices and pineapple. But anyway, I like chicken wings done like that. So I'd want chicken wings and that sauce, probably uh, some rice and uh, broccoli. I really love broccoli. So the chicken wings is the pineapple like pureed into the sauce or there's chunks of pineapple? No, it's like pureed into the sauce. A sweet kind of barbecue sauce, like an Asian yes, barbecue yes, sauce? Yes, yes, yes. And is this something that you make or you eat somewhere else at a this restaurant? This is something I eat out. Sometimes I can get it in a Japanese restaurant. I think they have it at Hands. I don't know that place. You don't know Hands? Oh, honey, you no. haven't lived. <laughs> Hands is that like an East Coast chain? It, it probably is, yeah. 
Houlihan's has about 100 locations in the Midwest and Eastern United States. They give off kind of a Chili's vibe or a TGI Friday's vibe. They serve things like chicken lettuce wraps with ginger peanut sauce, a steak and blue cheese salad, chicken fettuccine Alfredo. Both my boyfriend, who frequently ate at Houlihan's when he was a college student in Kansas, and Gloria love Houlihan's famous appetizer. They have something called shrooms, which are mushrooms filled with a cheese and then batter fried. Oh my God, that's so good. Okay, so between the name and the website, Houlihan's is giving me very strong tchotchkes vibes. Remember tchotchkes from Office Space where Jennifer Aniston's character worked? I would not be surprised if Houlihan's required their servers to wear a minimum amount of flair. Okay, so a little history about Houlihan's. They opened in 1972 in Kansas City. And now I feel bad that I compared it to tchotchkes because the name Houlihan's actually comes from Tom Houlihan's menswear. That is the store that occupied the space before the restaurant opened. It was a haberdashery. So, you know, it was fancy. It was, in fact, a fancy schmancy place where men shopped during the Mad Men era. So when the architect was drawing up plans for the restaurant, he labeled it Houlihan's Old Place. It was only intended to be a placeholder, but the name stuck. So why is that your last meal? What is it about that particular meal? I just like that sauce. I just and I love chicken wings, period. I just just really love chicken wings. I mean, I could eat chicken wings every day. All different styles. I like them fried. I like them baked. I like well, I don't like them broiled, barbecued. Um, you know, whenever I see going to a place that, that specializes in chicken wings, I sit there for a few minutes trying to decide which sauce I want. I'm looking at the Houlihan's menu and they have chicken wings with Thai chili and sesame ginger That's soy it. sauce. Yep. Gloria Gaynor wants chicken wings in a Thai chili and sesame ginger soy sauce for her last meal served with rice and broccoli. The fact that Gloria wants wings for her last meal makes her a true American. Americans love chicken wings. According to a 2017 National Chicken Council annual report, Americans ate more than 1.3 billion chicken wings over Super Bowl weekend that year. But they've only been popular for a few decades. Chicken wings used to be the cheapest part of the bird, a throwaway part. It wasn't until the buffalo chicken wing caught on that wings earned their rank in the American culinary landscape. So as the story goes, buffalo wings were invented at Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York. Anchor Bar was opened in 1935 by Teresa and Frank Bellissimo. And one cold night in 1964, Teresa was working the kitchen. Well, their son was tending bar at the Anchor Bar when a group of his friends came in. That's Mark Dempsey, vice president of the Anchor Bar restaurant. His friends frequented the restaurant a lot, and they were used to the great Italian food that they'd get at the Anchor Bar. But this night, they asked for something a little bit different. Hey, can we have something unusual? You know, we're looking for a little spicy, you know, something hot and spicy. It was a cold winter's night in Buffalo back in March of uh, 1964. So... Dominic, Frank and Teresa's son, asked his mom to cook something special for the group of uh, friends that came in. And she went back into the kitchen and wasn't exactly sure what she would cook, but she came across these nice plump chicken wings that she was going to make soup stock with the next day. So, you know, she took it upon herself and said, you know what, I'm going to deep fry these and uh, I'll put a little homemade hot sauce on there. So she came up with a concoction of her own deep fry the chicken wings, put on this spicy, what is now known as buffalo chicken wing sauce, served it with some celery and blue cheese, and uh, brought it out to the bar. You know, and Rachel, I got to tell you, when she first brought it out to the bar, the story goes that uh, everybody just stood there and stared at him like, what's this? 
<laughs> because they were never served like that before. But um, she said, go ahead, try them, try them. And, uh, they're chicken wings and they were an instant hit. They loved them. The rest is history, right? Well, I guess it makes sense that they were confused by the chicken wing because at that time she was making it into stock. The chicken wings were kind of a, a cheap, almost throwaway part of the bird, right? Like it was used for stock and, and that's kind of it. That's right. It was the throwaway part of the bird. It was the cheapest part of the bird. Nowadays, it's the most expensive part. You know, chicken wings are more expensive than chicken breast or chicken thighs, any part of the chicken, especially with uh, the Super Bowl coming up. You know, the price tends to go up even more because the demand increases around Super Bowl. Americans eat so many chicken wings that there have been actual shortages over the years, which drives the prices up even more. Guys, I'm sorry. We have been talking about buffalo chicken wings for several minutes, and I haven't even told you exactly what they are. In our buffalo wing sauce is cayenne pepper, vinegar, salt, pepper, garlic powder, and a few other spices. Well, it's a closely guarded secret, but those are the main ingredients there. It's cooked. It's simmered. It comes out nice and, and thick and coating the wings, and it's delicious. Does your buffalo sauce not have butter in it? Well, butter is put into chicken wing sauces to to lower the heat levels. So we'll have four main heat levels of our sauce, right? So the the medium, mild, they both have a little bit of butter in there. The hot and the extreme heat do not. They're pure heat, pure cayenne pepper. So buffalo wings are fried, but they're never breaded. And if you don't want to make your own sauce, a lot of people take the shortcut of using Frank's Red Hot Sauce and butter. Frank's is made with cayenne pepper, and that is the pepper flavor that you're after. What I wanted to know is how does a dish that is made one time on a whim in a tiny bar in Buffalo, New York, become an international phenomenon? Mark can only speculate. He says Teresa eventually put them on the menu at Anchor Bar. People love them. They kept ordering them. Other local bars and restaurants caught on. They started to serve them. And then it just expanded from there. So the first buffalo chicken wing was made in 1964, but it wasn't until the late 70s or early 80s that they really took off. That is when they became a staple on the menu at Hooters. That is when all wing restaurants like Buffalo Wild Wings started popping up. And then eventually what happened is what happens to all popular foods in this country. Chefs get creative. So cooks started making sticky hoisin wings, spicy chipotle wings, honey garlic wings, and the Thai chili and sesame ginger soy sauce wings that Gloria Gaynor loves. In 2003, the popularity of the buffalo chicken wing was cemented when Anchor Bar won a James Beard Award in the America's Classics category for inventing the buffalo chicken wing. Gloria wants chicken wings for her last meal, but the dish she's most known for is called chicken a la Gaynor. She tells us how the dish was born when we come back. Gloria Gaynor loves to cook. When I was emailing back and forth with her people before this interview, they sent me a list of her signature dishes. There's something called angelic Chilean sea bass, pina colada upside down cake, voodoo shrimp, and they say, quote, she makes a mean sweet potato pie for the holidays. But only one dish has her name on it. So you have all these signature dishes. I love that something's called chicken a la Gaynor. I feel like you're a true queen when you've named a dish after yourself. What is that dish and why are you known for it? One day when my ex-husband called me from New York and told me that he was on the way home with friends for dinner. Well, the office was only 45 minutes away. 
So I didn't have time to go and buy anything. I wasn't prepared to, 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 to do anything. So I just went in the, in the refrigerator in the cabinets and found what I had. And what I came up with was some chicken parts, uh, some uh, cream of chicken soup, and a can of B&B mushrooms, sliced mushrooms. And I put the seasoned the chicken and put it in the oven and then while that was happening I made a sauce of the soup the mushrooms I put in some sour cream and some cooking sherry when the chicken was nice and golden brown I took it back out of the oven poured the sauce on top of it put it back in the oven while my rice and, and my um, vegetables finished cooking. I, I can't remember what, I can't honestly remember what vegetables I cooked, but they were frozen as well. And saffron rice. It wasn't really saffron rice. They didn't know that it was just yellow food coloring. They thought it was oh. saffron rice. <laughs> That's smart though. Now I make it with saffron rice. Then I made it with yellow food coloring and they did not even realize because I think that was because the sauce is so tasty. This became such a hit that you named it Chicken Alligator. Uh, yes, because my friend, I, to, I would tell my friends about this. You know, I was just telling them about how I was rushed into making this meal. And then they said, oh, that sounds interesting. Do you remember what you did? And I wrote it down and, and I started giving it to my friends and it became Gloria Gaynor's signature dish. I know if we get a friend of mine calling me from England panicking because she'd lost the recipe and she had friends coming for dinner. I was like, Don't worry, I'm here. <laughs> Just get out the yellow food coloring, no problem. Yes. <laughs> and that was Gloria Gaynor's last meal. Joy comes in the morning. If you're just be still, joy comes in the morning. No matter how bad it feels. Pick up her new album. It's called Testimony. The Grammys are this Sunday, and the album is nominated for two awards. So I need everybody to cross their fingers so that Gloria can create the perfect pizza triangle on her piano. Thanks to Mark Dempsey from Anchor Bar Restaurant. There are now 14 locations in the U.S. and Canada, including the original location in Buffalo, New York. All right, here's the part where I tell you to do stuff. Follow along on Instagram. I post a lot about food and travel. Updates on our guests. You can follow along at Your Last Meal Podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It really helps get the show out to new people. Oh, and I want to send a shout out like this is old school FM radio. I actually used to be a music DJ in my early 20s when I first started out in radio at an 80s, 90s, and Today station. Today's hits, yesterday's favorites, baby. I was spinning all the hot Michael Bolton and Celine Dion that you could take. So I feel pretty qualified to do an old school radio shout out to Ken Jennings. If you haven't been following along, if you haven't been following the news, Ken Jennings, who was a guest on this program, won a million dollars last week on Jeopardy. He is officially now the greatest of all time. Ken's episode is one of my favorite episodes. We talk about why Mormons love Jell-O. We talk about a Jell-O museum in upstate New York. Go back to the archives and listen. This episode was produced by Laura Scott and me, theme music by Prom Queen. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal. have any rituals before you perform of things that you eat or don't eat or drink? Oh, yeah. I don't eat chocolate, nuts, or dairy. I don't drink anything cold. 
I try not to talk too much, which is the hardest part. 